wait, Adam Frazier is the second baseman? I didn't even think Adam Frazier would still be here. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates from Bradenton, Florida, where the Pirates conducted their first full squad workout of the spring yesterday. And Frazier not only was there, but Frazier was one of the small group of players that was brought before us reporter types to speak. And when you see a player and you're talking to a player who's got to be close to certain he's going to be traded, it makes for uncomfortable dialogue. It makes for uncomfortable situations uh, 20 times over for the, the actual athlete. Frazier, to his credit, uh, seemed to be a, a pretty good sport about it when he was asked if he's basically sitting by the phone waiting for the big call. I wouldn't say waiting, um, but I, you know, I've obviously read the internet, so I see things like that. Um, so you never know what's going to come. Um, and I try to stay in conversation with with Charrington and and Shelton, and try to you know expect what may be coming. And uh, you know, none of that's really come about. So um, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I'm happy to be a Pittsburgh Pirate and looking forward to. Um, working with these guys. A uh, couple tough losses and guys I'm close with, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, a lot of opportunity for the, for the next guys to step, step up. Yeah, if he's reading the internet, he's going to be seeing a lot more information than by sitting by his phone. So he's aware. Um, he sees the writing on the wall, which is multifold. He's 28 years old. Um, he's not really going to fit with what the Pirates are doing longer term. He's the second highest paid player on the team at $4.3 million. I don't know that that would be that much of a factor and snicker at that, if you will, but the Pirates' payroll is already so low and they still have other guys to sign. I, I don't think they'd be clearing him out on that count. But what they have here, the real issue that the team faces with Frazier is that they've got a whole bunch of middle infielders that even if they aren't great, even if they aren't part of 2022 or 2023, they actually have to find out. They have to see these guys. And by these guys, I'm referring, of course, to Kevin Newman, Eric Gonzalez, and Cole Tucker. I don't know that you need to see Gonzalez. He has talent. Uh, we saw that in the first month of the two-month season that they had in 2020, at which point he just kind of started being Eric Gonzalez again, and it wasn't all that exciting or interesting. But Newman, after the 2019 that he had, at the shortstop position, and not a great defender, but he played there and hit extremely well. And it's a demanding position. 
that's something that you don't easily let go. Uh, we were all singing the songs of Brian Reynolds through the summer of 2019, and, and rightly so. But by the time it was over, Newman's numbers were really just about the same as those of Reynolds, and so was his ranking among offensive shortstops in the majors. He was a pretty good player. And then he fell off in 2020, and then everybody's kind of ready to bury him, and there's some additional doubt because Newman never really was a big hitter in the minors. So the 2019 looks more like an outlier than anything else. Nonetheless, my point stands. You got to see him. Tucker is another one. Tucker, you got to see. Look, I'm not part of the Tucker hype train. Uh, I believe in the kid as a kid. I think he's absolutely a beautiful human being. He's a joy to be around. But he's got a hit. Uh, being the cute, cool kid who, when he gets on the bases, gets everybody revved up, or when he's out in the field, is throwing himself into the center field fence. That's all cute, and it's cool, and it's meaningless unless you find a way from home plate to first base. I don't know that I've seen the trajectory for Tucker. I haven't seen the patience at the plate. The discipline that you would hope would be there so he'd find an alternative way to first base. Not to mention shrinking his own strike zone so that he can hit the pitches that he's best suited to hit. They got to see, though. They got to see. My hope, and and this is probably not going to play out, but I'm going to express it anyway. My hope is that Tucker is at short and Newman slides to second, which is where he was in the minors, and where his range, if you're being fair to him, is is something that would make a better fit for him. And you see what those guys have at one position or the other. Ultimately, the second baseman of the Pittsburgh Pirates would be Nick Gonzalez, their number one prospect. But this isn't ultimately. This year isn't ultimately. You still want to make the most of all of the assets that you have, including Kevin Newman, in hopes that, kind of like with Frazier, you can trade him and get something significant in return. Which brings me back to the original point. Why is Frazier still here? Why was I still looking at Adam Frazier yesterday? In 2019 and in 2020, both years, he was a Gold Glove finalist. He's not blowing anybody away in the field. He doesn't make the web gems on ESPN. He doesn't uh, do the Pokey Reese-like, you know, backflip-type maneuvers that get everybody all geeked up and make you think that this is some superstar defensively out there. All he does is make the plays that come his way. Uh, He has worked tirelessly to become that player, to become an everyday second baseman. He hasn't really hit. Um, He's been a 250-ish hitter 
the last couple of years, he got off to a terrible start, like all of the Pirates did offensively in 2020, and then he came around in the second month, like most of the Pirates did, and eventually ended up putting up a 238 average and hitting a couple bombs. There wasn't much to it offensively. To me, that's going to be the thing that keeps Ben Charrington from getting the value that he hopes he can get from Frazier if he goes and starts every day. And hey, guess what? That's right. Derek Shelton told us yesterday, on the same day that Frazier was presented to us, that Frazier is going to be the everyday second baseman. That had not been made clear previously. And then he really built him up, and he went over the kind of season that he had last year and how he got stronger and how he became the Adam Frazier that we're used to seeing. I'm paraphrasing, but you get the idea. They're selling him. They're building him up to sell him at a higher value. They're building him up to the point that once he does get traded, everyone's going to be upset about it instead of not caring at all about it, which is how we'd all feel about it in the moment. That's just part of the process. It's part of what they're doing. They'll do the same thing in about a split second, by the way, for Gregory Polanco. When we come back, just one question. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Just one question. If you'd like to leave one, you can do so by visiting DK Pittsburgh Sports. Find the article that encompasses this podcast and leave it right there in comments. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Open for business, stop in and say hello, tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. And today's Just One Question comes from Sisyphus, who asks, Got just one question for you, DK. Did the Pirates fail to add to the team after the 98-win season because of Neil Huntington insisting on kicking the can down the road or because of a budget ceiling imposed by nutting? This one comes with Lots of layers, lots of potential intrigue, and actually kind of a boring answer. Because it is a really, really big deal. And I also wanted there to be some just beautiful smoking gun at the end of it. To me, it was the most awful decision made by any level of management in that decade, and yes, I'm including the Chris Archer trade. Because you don't take an asset, an opportunity, a window, whatever you want to call it, like the 98-win season in 2015, and then just let it fade away. 
like, oh well, we'll just be back magically next year. For anyone who doesn't remember, the 98-win season knew that it would lose A.J. Burnett to retirement. It also knew that Jay Happ was going to be a really prized free agent after the strong second half that he had in a good trade by Huntington to acquire him at midseason uh, from Seattle. The Blue Jays ended up breaking all kinds of goofy money out for Hap that the Pirates never could have matched. So I'm not into the whole you should have just matched whatever they offered because they would have just kept upping the ante. And the Blue Jays are owned by the phone company up in Canada. They could just spend limitless cash. But that doesn't mean you enter the following season in replacing those guys with the faded remnants of Ryan Vogel's song, a converted reliever in Juan Nicasio. Oh, and then, by the way, also trade Neil Walker because your assistant GM didn't like his personality in the minors to the Mets for John Neese, who doesn't last a couple of months for you. That's just, that's disaster heaped upon disaster upon disaster. It won't surprise you that from everything I know, Huntington is the principal culprit here. He's the obvious culprit in the Walker trade. He executed the Walker trade. Regardless of how much Stark would have been pushing him or not, Huntington was the one that sent Walker out for John Bleeping Nice for a month and change of John Bleeping Nice. That's indefensible in and of itself. From there, Huntington, you have to understand this, was always of the mindset of building this perpetual cycle of success. That's actually what he called it, the cycle of success. And he and his people, his yes people, principally Stark, that he surrounded himself with, would tell themselves constantly that they were just so smart. One of these days, ask me, I'm not going to do it on here, but one of these days, ask me to tell you the story about the big staff meeting at Seven Springs um, that followed that season. Please ask me about it. These guys thought they were just God's gift. To baseball they were just brilliant and that they could just make magical decisions unfortunately for them a fair number of the people who strongly influenced a lot of their decisions that built those three playoff teams from 2013 to 2015 left the pirates so they went and they got Vogelsong and god we're gonna run their names through the mud again you get the idea That's what happened. Now, do I leave nutting off the hook? Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. Because all of the bucks stop with him. And there's nothing that prevents an owner of any sports franchise from stepping in and saying, hey, what's going on here? When we compare nutting to Art Rooney and Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle, We often do so unfairly because the other two operate, obviously, in salary cap leagues. And we forget, conveniently, that 
Mario and Burkle had the NHL's lowest payroll until the NHL got its cap, the Steelers probably wouldn't be a whole lot different. What Nutting needed to do is what those guys do on a regular basis, which is step in. We just saw it happen with the Penguins. We're kind of seeing it, and maybe we'll see it more this summer with the Steelers, depending on how the Ben Roethlisberger thing shakes up. Nutting is an over-delegator. He actually trusts his people around him and all his businesses, not just the Pirates, too much and leaves them in place for too long. That's something that's been known about him forever. Loyal to a fault. He needed to jump in. Just because they had a 98-win season doesn't mean you don't get involved. He needed to jump in and say, hang on a second, what are we doing here? Shouldn't we be pushing toward a World Series or something? What's happening here? He didn't do that. That's on him. That is 100% on nutting. It's not as much about payroll as it is about that. That urgency needed to be conveyed to his baseball people, and it wasn't. I hope that answers the question. Oh, come on, ask me the other thing. I'm serious. I'll definitely get to it tomorrow, but not unless you ask. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll do this again tomorrow from here. University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.